Welcome to Recliner Reviews, and today we are talking about a movie that I would say is, not to give spoilers, so far one of our favorites that we're talking about, but so much to talk about, and that movie is... John Belushi. You! How much for your wife? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. After the gig, uh, maybe we could, like, uh, hang out together. The Blues Brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. This is the... I mean, there's going to be no... It's not going to be a surprise when we get to this later on, but the best Chicago movie. Not Baby's Day Out? Baby's Day Out is a close second, but this is, this is number one. And there's always that great debate. Baby's Day Out, Blues Brothers. Baby's Day Out, Blues Brothers. But I think Blues Brothers <coughs> takes the cake there. And I would also argue... Uh, this, is, this would be a huge argument that uh, we would never get to the end of if we had a million people involved in the debate, but maybe the best comedy of the last 40 years. Yeah, 40 I mean, years. I feel like um, it's on everybody's list mm-hmm. as, like, one of the best comedies. Because um, I feel it's also, like, it's iconic, and everybody associates Chicago, Blues Brothers. Um, yeah, and plus, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Belushi, Bel- who's a, right. a, like once-in-a-generation talent, um, right. like, leading up the movie. Yeah, so 100%. Those are a bunch of the key points to why this worked. And also, the plot being so unique, the elements of, uh, of how they pulled this off, it being kind of a musical, but being so absurd. The absurdism just, it gets, it gets amped up throughout the entire movie, and then the, the, the peaks and the, the chase scene... <laughs> I just watched this again a few weeks ago. I watched it a bunch as a kid and in my youth and probably didn't appreciate it properly at the time, and I watched it a few weeks ago. I was laughing my ass off through the whole last 20 minutes. Yeah. It just gets more absurd and more absurd and more absurd. And there are key elements throughout the story from the very first scene all the way to the end of it having this absurdism that is just so subtle and then just goes to 100 at the end. Yeah, I mean, like, the absurdity, the biggest absurdity in this movie is not a car crash. It's not the chases. It's not any of that. It is the fact that an orphanage is paying property taxes. The county took a tax assessment of this property last month. They want $5,000. Five grand, no problem. We'll have it for you in the morning. In the city of Chicago. Well, can we also point out, though, too, that property taxes being central to, a, to the, the ultimate Chicago movie is amazing? Oh, it's absolutely... I mean, and it's perfect because of how... Ridiculous. It, this is 1980. And we're talking about a $5,000 property tax bill in $1980, which yeah. is like, that's absurd as is. And so like, even then, property taxes in Chicago and the and surrounding area were absurd. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the absurd thing for me is because... Um, Again, having having worked in that realm, right, yeah. with with politics, is um, the simple fact that any whether it's an orphanage, a church, or any, anything wouldn't have some relationship with their aldermen, who would then like bend over backwards to make sure that they got what they needed, is absurd. Like, sure, and the fact that they wouldn't even gone to the alderman and been like, hey, alderman, I need help. I got a $5,000 tax bill. I'm a church. Like, we're an orphanage. Besides the fact that, like, 
in Illinois and in Chicago, they don't pay property taxes. Right. Like right, that's, right. they're a 501c3, they don't pay property taxes. Um, but one of the reasons why they use that as a storyline is partially for the absurdity, but also because I guess at the time, there was somebody in the Illinois legislature that was proposing that churches should pay property taxes. Which makes it even more perfect. Like the, the idea that, that property taxes are so central to this plot as the biggest Chicago and Illinois movie is one thing, but that it has a historical tie is hilarious too. And the only thing that would, that would make it even better is if there was an alderman involved and he's like, yeah, put my campaign sign in your window and then like, maybe we can make it work. Like if, it, if there was that kind of element to it too, it'd even be even more perfect. Yeah. I don't know if people outside of Chicago or outside of Illinois even understand how fantastic that is to have in, yeah. in the movie. I mean, and going towards like the, the, the backing information to it is they had to like beg Jane Byrne to film this movie in the city of Chicago. That's hilarious. And then she finally like relented. Um, but like in typical Chicago fashion, um, you know, they film the scene in the county building at the end, right? Yeah. Where they're going to go pay the money in the county building. Uh, which, first, having spent 10 years of my life working in that building, I've always looked for wherever that location was, where they go <laughs> around the corner and then they go to, like, the, the, the elevator. There, that does not exist. Like, that, that does not exist. Well, I'm sure part of the inside had to be a studio. I, I mean, I think they used the building. I think yeah. they actually filmed in the county building but they just kind of like reworked it. And so like, I'm, I like map it out, be like, okay, well, if he entered from the, the Clark side uh, and, then wa- and then ran and then turned left, like how could he, like I've, I've often thought about you this. You know what you should have done your last day when you worked there is you should have boarded up, you should have like been like running through the, the halls and then boarded up the doors as you left with like, the chairs and stuff. I should have, yeah. That would have been great. Been, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to the point about the, uh, uh, the county building, is that um, this movie wouldn't have been made if uh, the producers didn't get mob help. Because, well, sure. Because, because hear, the, hear this out, the county building, uh, it was, it's rumored that at the time, in 1980, that Cook County was basically being run by the mob. And so the mob convinced uh, George Dunn to... Uh, let them film the movie there. See, isn't it kind of a bummer in some ways, I'm going to make a spicy take, that the mob is no longer kind of anything? It's kind of a bummer that we don't have that the extra check against the, the real government. I, think, I, I don't think the mob is that much, not to get on a tangent here, but I don't think the mafia is that much worse than the government. Now all I have to do is think of a clever line before I pull the trigger. I mean, they are. They're, I mean, the, the government is mafia. Yeah, right? it's just, mean, they're, all, they're that... both organized crime. So it's kind of a bummer. The mob now has like Richard's Bar on, uh, in, in West Town and like a block of power, and it's all a bunch of old dudes. Well, I mean, it's always it's a shame. Old, it's always well, been a I know, but now it's like right? like now the gambling's legal and stuff like. Still have Rosemont, I guess, but that yeah, is that, hilarious. Always, we'll always have Rosemont. Rosemont. <laughs> that is hilarious. How many? This is like so, that's why it's so true to be a Chicago movie. And when we were talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, your qualification for a Chicago movie, if it's filmed in the suburbs, if it's about people in the suburbs, whatever, like this is filmed in the city, and not just like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the parade on on Clark and LaSalle or wherever it is. Like this is in. I, like n- recognizable parts of Chicago for people that grew up in, in the city. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you do have 
Uh, um, you have the stuff in the county building downtown, but yeah, yeah, and you do have uh, stuff in the suburbs as well, and yeah. and even as far out as Joliet for the prison, but right, but people um, outside of people in in New York or L.A. have never heard of Joliet. Yeah, for sure. It, this mean, is like a nod to to people like us. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I mean it, it is a truly iconic Chicago thing, especially when you think about the Chicago Blues, um, and um, not only. Blues Brothers and the Blues Brothers band, but thinking about like the scenes with like Johnny Lee Hooker uh, playing his guitar. Um, I mean, I know Ray Charles is not associated with Chicago, but like that, like the whole scene yeah. that goes on there. I mean, it's just. Um, Which, by the way, the the amount of people in this movie, Aretha Franklin, like I was, I, I have a note bananas. about this is like the star power in this it's movie incredible. is incredible. And let me read some of the names, okay? Because. Um, I know some of them you're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But I think there's one uh, that is going to blow your mind. Um, so John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Cab Calloway, which, again, like if, you don't, if you're not big into that type of music, you may not understand. But like Cab Calloway is huge. Frank Oz is, uh, makes an appearance uh, as a guard. Um, James Brown, Ray Charles, Shaka Khan. Um, Carrie Fisher, Paul Rubens makes an appearance in this movie. Aretha Franklin, Joe Walsh makes an appearance in this movie. Um, Steven Spielberg makes an appearance in this movie. But the two that most people don't get and don't see are Mr. T. Bruh. Mr. T. I makes knew an Mr. Appearance, T was in it, yeah. And James Avery. Bruh. And for those who don't know James Avery, that's Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to like nail down the scene. He's in the dancing scene outside of oh. uh, the thing with uh, Ray Charles. He's in that scene. Just like in the background? He's, he's a dancer. <laughs> he's a oh, dancer wow. in that. He's dancing in this movie. That's wild. Uncle Phil. That's what oh, well, that's. Bad. I mean, like again, like with all of the names, and then like it just kind of bridges into the next like generation with Uncle Phil. Right. So the two points about this, there are very few comedies that I can think of since then that have that kind of star power because like they're like with him like he blew up late. Like we recognize him from stuff he did after the fact. Um, but there are a lot of people on that list that are huge yeah. when this movie came out, like Reese yeah. Franklin, Ray Charles. Like those are people that are huge. There are very few comedies that can have that kind of ensemble cast of star power as as tertiary characters. The only thing that comes close are Adam Sandler's movies like Grown Ups, where he has Dan Patrick like as a minor character sure. and Shaquille O'Neal. But those movies kind of suck. And there's the snap. So it's it's amazing, a, a great comedy, and I would argue one of the greatest comedies. Did that, and then two, the, the name that stands out there to me, and in the movie too, is Carrie Fisher, because this came out in 1980, and Star Wars New Hope came out in 1977. So in between, I believe it's in between, I think Empire Strikes Back came out in 80, so in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and New Hope's huge, Empire Strikes Back is huge, she's like, hey, I'm going to be a, a minor character in a, this comedy. Yeah, with can, I, can I give you a little, little tidbit on that whole thing? Yeah. Blues Brothers... And Empire Strikes Back came out on the exact same day. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. 
It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. June of 1980. June, I think it's, I believe it's June 21st. I think it's actually on my birthday. It came out June 21st of 1980. Or it's in, it's in the middle of June of 1980. And both of the movies came out on the same day. <laughs> that, uh, that's banana, 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 banana. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, just one other name I want to throw in there before we talk a little bit more about the movie is, uh, did you know that Paul Schaefer was actually in uh, the Blues Brothers Band? No. So Paul Schaefer was in the Blues Brothers Band, but he was filming something else at the time that they were doing this movie, and so John Belushi kicked him out said, you're not loyal to the band. So Paul uh, Schaefer wow. didn't get a chance to, uh, uh, to be in Blues Brothers. That's wild. Yeah. I'm still caught up in the Empire Strikes Back Blues Brothers double feature. There you go. That's like the most 80s thing I've ever heard, too. Yeah. Especially because it's on your birthday, too. Yeah. I, I mean, it might not actually be well, my I birthday. Mean, it's, it's like close. around my birthday. It's, it's, some, it's like a week around my birthday somewhere in there. I don't know the exact date. And I didn't, of course, write it down. Not a chance. I give her a lot of credit for uh, doing that film. But also, like, her, like, going back to the absurdity of it, her character just kind of like trying to assassinate them yeah. throughout the movie and you don't know why is so freaking funny. Yes. Like, it, like it's funnier to me. I, I, I said I watched it recently and I hadn't seen it in years before then. It is hysterical, the reason you don't know why any of this is happening. And she like has an RPG and stuff and like they're always brushing themselves off. Like, a lot of stuff throughout this movie, you don't really understand the, like, rising and falling action, and it makes it way funnier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about, like, all of the things that that get put in, and then, like, they just arc throughout the entire movie. Yes. Like, even, like, the, the Nazi, the Illinois well, Nazis. Illinois Nazis, which is a very quotable thing. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yes, which is very quotable and actually does have historical reference. Just Skokie, yeah. Um, well, even more than just Skokie. So um, a, a, I think it's a few years before this, I believe it was in the 70s, um, was you had this Illinois Nazis who wanted to march in Skokie of all places. Yeah. Skokie has a very large Jewish population and many Holocaust survivors were living in Skokie at the time. And... So then, like, Skokie didn't want to let them or wanted to let them, and then they sued, and they went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you can march, the Nazis can march. Ah, those bums won their court case, so they're marching today. So the Nazis didn't end up marching in Skokie. They actually ended up marching in Chicago in Marquette Park, where that scene is filmed with the bridge. It's in Marquette Park. That's where the actual Illinois Nazis marched. Um, and a tie to Chicago, uh, for better or for worse uh, with him being involved, Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, current resident and current, or current person who has nine and a half fingers thanks to Arby's. We have the meat. Was one of the ones that marched against the Nazis at huh. that march in Marquette Park. That I did not know. Yeah. A young... Uh, I, I can't confirm whether or not he had all ten fingers at that time or if the meat slicer at Arby's took the half of the finger, but it did happen at that time. 
around, that's or like around wild. Time, so this is the most. I'm learning so many freaking Chicago facts from you right now. Well, I mean, look, it's, it, it, I'm happy to be able to to drop some Chicago uh, knowledge bombs there, you know, including uh, where you know they jumped the bridge. Uh, that's down by the Calumet Fisheries, which go down to the yeah. Calumet Fisheries, get yourself some good fried fish. That's, I'm telling you, that's that's where you go. Yeah, yeah, that, that I knew. And there's some like shots on the south side that uh, I don't know if like a lot of people would recognize, but if you know, like this is like actually, to your point about Ferris Bueller and like these other movies, this is like actually the most Chicago-y yeah, for sure. locations you can find. I mean, all of the one, all of the stuff up and down Maxwell Street, like yeah. the whole thing with Ray Charles and his shop, uh, and and the dancing that's there. That like that's Maxwell Street, and like you can go down there today mm-hmm. and go see like all of these things, which is really cool. Yeah, so back to why I think like the, the last twenty minutes or so of the, of the chase is so funny and it keeps escalating is you don't know really where the stuff with the Nazis is going other than it's a goof. Yeah. Like, they, they, they tell him to go to 1060 West Addison, and it's like, oh, this is funny, like, these Nazis are stupid, and we all hate Nazis. Did you get his address? Of course. 1060 West Addison. Let's go. But then they, they end up in the chase, and then the, the National Guard and all this stuff, and all, all of it culminates in them, again, spoiler, getting arrested at the end. Spoiler alert! Now, after yeah. handing in the check, um... The fact that you don't know stuff as it's going on, or why it's happening, or where it's going, makes this movie way funny. For whatever reason, I just think it makes it way, way funnier. Yeah. And, uh, the trip to get to the end. Yeah. Is and, way better. and you know, there's two other notes I just want to make is, in that opening scene where they're by the jail, um, apparently nobody told some of the guards that they were going to be filming this scene because they had a helicopter that was filming, mm-hmm. out, like filming that exterior or whatever. And uh, some of the guards actually shot at the helicopter because they thought that, like, somebody was planning a breakout or, like, somebody was, like, spying That's on the wild. jail. So, like, they were shooting at this helicopter. <laughs> That's wild. Um, the, the other... I've lost this, this nugget in my head, like, three times already, so I just want to get out. The other Chicago factoid is now every time I pass, like, a men's hotel, like the Covenant Hotel, there's, there's one by, like, a couple by me that are, like, clearly not functioning anymore but yeah. are like still there I think that a couple of them are like Chicago landmarks or yeah. like they're like preserved by the city that's what I think of every single time yeah SROs yeah, yeah. single room occupants well it ain't much but it's home I never lived in one never been in one but I my first apartment in the city was right next to the train yep. and I, the sound of it People don't understand how why I enjoy I don't know just it, the L soothes me I like the, the faint sound of the L the elevated train by my window doesn't phase me anymore. But I think of the Blues Brothers all the time. Yeah, of the, course. The train going by. Every time you look at the window, there's a train going yeah, by. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, so some money things with this here real quick is um, the budget for this movie. I've, I've read two different things of what the budget for this movie was. Uh, one said $17.5 million and one said $30 million. Um, but... Uh, the thing that gets me is that they said that um, Dan Aykroyd is on record as saying that a portion of that budget was actually spent on cocaine. Cocaina. No, oh, of course. For like the cast and the crew, so that this way they could stay awake during all of the shoots. And you know, Belushi was before, just like Belushi, going crazy yeah. with coke. Uh, and like there was a, there was a time that like they couldn't find him. Like Belushi just disappeared from set, and he wandered into somebody's house, and like. 
asks them for like a sandwich and a glass of milk. And Dan Aykroyd like goes up to the door and is like, hey, uh, have you seen, and they're like, oh, you're here for Jim Belushi. Uh, or John Belushi. Jim Belushi's on my brain because I got to, because he, unfortunately, this movie, while it's great, gave us Jim Belushi, yeah. which is not great. Who's just a, a leech on his brother's success. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. He, he's the George Bush to Jeb Bush. If you've ever seen the movie W, it's like, you ruined it for Jeb. Jim, please clap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the John Belushi thing was like, they, like, oh, you're here for John. Like, yeah. And he's just sitting there like drinking milk and eating a sandwich. That's Because like he's like everybody's buddy. Like that, apparently he was like everybody's buddy. And I've heard that too about, I think it's true on other movies that he's been in. He always needed cocaine on yeah. the set. And then of course on SNL, like in the 70s, SNL was notorious for just having a ton of coke for yeah. the whole cast. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's sad actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Hindsight. And like, especially when we start talking about um, uh, like Animal House. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they went to efforts to try and keep him sober right. and clearly this was not the time for that right um but yeah the one last thing i want to say is when they're at bob's country bunker bob's country bunker here we are bob's country bunker and they get the bill which is 300 dollars for what they drank um in 1980 dollars a beer cost a dollar 50 which means that all of the people in the band had 20 beers that night each had 20 each had 20 that's believable it's, I mean, look, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. We don't know exactly how long they spent at Bob's Country Bunker, but still, that's still, that, that's big. I mean, it's a lot, yeah. That's, I, that's a big bill. Like, that's a, that's a lot of beer to drink, you know? Yeah. And that scene's also hilarious. And those scenes are also sustained by how great the music is, too. Oh, yeah. yeah like, even if you're not with the comedy for whatever reason, like, you're, you're engaged with it just based off the music. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last thing I want to say, did you see Blues Brothers 2000? Oh, God. <laughs> Written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis. Unfortunately, yes. I saw it like when it came out as like a kid because my, my parents loved the Blues Brothers and I saw it a bunch in the 90s before I even understood why it was a great movie. And we saw Blues Brothers 2000, I think on, on like DirecTV pay-per-view. Don't remember any of it, just remember obviously it was bad and they tried to re- doing the movie without Belushi is stupid. Um, but we always talk about like bad sequels that should never happen. This might be one of the all-time... from. The, the fall from the original, that might be the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, because you, you, you don't have the same, like, it's not, it is the same characters, but it's not the same characters, yeah. you know? And so, like, you just can't, it, it, it's, it was a real bummer, real bummer. 100%. And uh, every time Jim Belushi gets out there and is living in the shadow of his brother. Hoisting the Stanley Cup, World Series, whatever. You know, yeah. and, and doing, you know, doing the, you know, Joliet Jake routine, even though he's not, his brother like god it, it, it pains me it really pains me i'm with you yeah but anyway this movie was great yeah 100%. I, I, i'm going back Fantastic. to what i said uh maybe the best comedy i'd have to really adjudicate that and talk about it at length but one of the best comedies the last 40 years maybe ever yeah it, it, because it's also it's like it's subtle too like mm-hmm. there's subtlety in the humor but there's also like kind of knock you over the head like silly humor but yeah. like it's a good meld, and, it, and you don't, like, feel one way or the other. It's not like a Jim Carrey movie where you're like, I'm getting slapstick this entire movie. There's a little bit of slapstick that's in there, but then it's also, like, a lot of, like, subtlety. and Yeah, like, makes it, you think, you know, which makes everything better. Yeah. For the score? Yeah. You can go first, yeah. I think this actually, 
I'm between high sevens and low eights. I think it, I think this, I'm going to go eight one. So I'm going to go a little oppo. I'm going to go lower. And the reason I'm going to go lower is because I feel like some people didn't like this movie. Really? Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like um, people in the South, because like even at the time, like late 70s, early 80s, racism is still very much a thing. Um, You know, it is, uh, they were very much not happy about like the amount of like, african-american musicians Mm. that were in this in this movie um and so i'm gonna say it's gonna go lower and i'm gonna say 7.2 wow we cannot be farther apart what is it seven nine oh i was on ah, i was between seven nine and eight one i I don't know of a comedy that jumped into the eights i don't know why i I mean look do i think i i think it's 10 out of 10 like you give me the the number like well nothing can be a 10 it's like the figure skating rules if you call Look, something I'm a, not the Russian judge. If you call gonna, something a 10, then nothing can be higher than a 10. Well, if you I, see don't think very, Brothers, I don't think anything can get higher than this. So that's, right. I mean, we that's should just all my pack it up opinion. and not make movies anymore, you know. according to Chris yeah, Santino. Yes, don't make any more comedies. No more comedies. We're done here. Yeah, we're done. Pack it up. <laughs>